Well, that was fun. That was fun. Usually is fun. Okay, we're gonna just kind of let Nevermind roll here. Mm-hmm. Start off with the biggest song ever. Is that the title? Was that the number one track? That's the first song. Yeah, that's, Whoa. that's the first song on the CD. Smells like Teen Spirit. Was so, so I I heard an interesting story about Teen Spirit, which I always assumed, you because know, I, I don't know who remembers, but Teen Spirit was the name of a uh, of an antiperspirant put out yes, by um, by Speed Stick. There, there was sort of a women's like a teen mm-hmm. thing, yeah. uh, and apparently, um, I just read this or I heard the story on, uh, on on a British show. What happened was, uh, Kurt Cobain read that on like a wall on some something like mm-hmm. Nirvana smells or Kurt Cobain smells like Teen Spirit, and he thought it was mm-hmm. he, he thought it, he thought it was. Uh, Complimentary. He didn't realize mm, at the time right. that it was making fun of him. Uh, but at, at that point, it was already out. So <laughs> whether that's true or not, I, I, I mean, I, te- I hope it's true. The deodorant was the first place I had ever heard of Teen Spirit. Right? Yeah. So I mean, I knew it. Yeah, immediately as, as, as the song came out, or when I heard the, the, the title, I could of the see song. if you didn't know about the deodorant how that would be sound complimentary. Right. Right. But as soon as you hear the deodorant, and that's the thing, I always thought the name was ironic, right? Mm-hmm. But not apparently, according to, to to this at least, which I don't know whether it's true or not. But it it, it was funny enough joke, funny enough story that I like it. <laughs> um, Who cares if it's true? Well, I mean, I haven't done the the <laughs> necessary research. I would say to anybody else, don't like quote me on this, right? But. It was a uh, it was a good it was a good story. So I, I posted on a Twitter poll about three hours ago. It says, "Am I the only one who didn't know what shit posting was?" Mm-hmm. Got seven whole votes. Wow! So two people said yes, dumbass. Uh huh. Two people said what? No. Only one person said you're a shit post. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And two people said make America great again. So anybody who's Make America Great Again obviously knew what shitposting was. Uh, because if you didn't know what shitposting was, you would have said, no, what is shitposting as opposed to Make America Great Again? Or you'd, you'd choose the ha boners, you know, thing just, just by, that, that's what you do. Um, okay. I was really happy. Yeah, to- I, 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 yeah, I'm shocked you never heard of shit posting. But then again, I shouldn't be shocked because it's just it's a term, right? And and various terms. There's plenty of terms floating well, out there. So I saw it in one article like last night, yesterday, yeah. whatever, and they didn't explain it. Okay, I'll look that up later. And then I just saw another article, a follow up on mm-hmm. the same dude from Oculus, and like I read the article like. Oh, even the like I'm looking like it doesn't tell me what shit posting is a good journalistic article that doesn't tell me what shit posting is what am I that far out of the loop? Yeah, so I mean sometimes you are, but like it, it reminded me of what happened with Pokemon Go, where all of a sudden people were telling me, about Pokemon, mm-hmm. "What the what the fuck are you talking? About? Are you on Team Mystic or Team whatever? Like what the fuck are you talking about?" Um, that. I, and I wouldn't have found out about Pokemon Go until later mm-hmm. if I hadn't had young people. <laughs> You know, like like Ty and uh, right. and Kate and, and, mm-hmm. and Nick and over to to play games. So 
if I wasn't connected to that aspect, then I wouldn't have found out until even later than I did. Yeah. So I, there's no, a podcast just, I listen to, Reply All. It's um, kind of a follow-on to TLDR. That's kind of where I get my uh, young kid meme like updates, like. You know, the know your meme stuff is right, me yeah. listening to Reply All. Like, you know, that's where I learned about Harambe was a meme oh, and you, that kind you, of thing. You didn't know, well, I mean, I knew about a gorilla getting killed in Cincinnati. I right. didn't really care about his fucking name. Right, yeah. You know, so. No, I, I get that. Um, yeah, everyone's going to be voting, voting for Harambe. This, uh. <laughs> That that is funny to me. With the Harambe, the Haram, voting for Harambe, yeah. that that for some reason that does that does strike the, the, the me. Fake outrages. Well, it's kind of the black humor thing. It's you know. Yeah. Right. Taboo. Oh, that reminds me of. So Nick told me to watch a movie, and I told him. So I told him, okay, you have to watch the Plinket review if I watch this movie. Uh, and he said, okay. Uh, and he hasn't watched Plinket review yet, but that's Plinket review for. The first Star Wars. Okay. Because uh, I figured he'll watch the rest. I know you haven't, but... No, I've watched them. Oh, you have? Yes. Oh, you watched all of them? Pretty... Yeah, yeah, because I've watched, like, other Plinket reviews, too. So I, I'd be shocked. I, I think I have, right? I mean, I watched episode one. Right, okay. I think I've watched the other ones because I went on and watched all the other Plinket other Plinket reviews. Okay. Then never mind. That, that, and I can't imagine I would have said fuck the other Star Wars Plinket reviews. I'm going to go watch something Crit- else. Criticism rescinded. Okay. Uh, I like the Plinket reviews. They're I great. They're, I think they're great. I mean, you know, the times like where they do like the like ten minutes of potty humor where he's like having explosive diarrhea is a little much, but. But I mean, that was important to getting, particularly in the first one, in, in the first Star Wars one, that was kind of important to keeping the the tone, to like keeping the. It, they're hour and a half long reviews. You yeah. need to have something to break up yeah, the, the yeah. points. Uh, I agree with you that I mean, especially the second time through and stuff, you're, it, they're not necessary. Uh, and they're not really necessary to, to, to the point of, of following. And then, like, you can really skip all that stuff. But it's there to, to provide just a break for people who need it. So, and, and I'm okay with it. But I do think it still tends to be excellent analysis and at the same time being funny and, like, hitting those hitting those parts of you that are, that that feel the same way. I think there's parts of, of a lot of people that feel the same way because you're like because you never could. I mean, some of the stuff like even like so the bathroom adjacent part, right? Where I think he's in the bathroom. He woke up from his um, Rip Van Winkle sleep, and uh-huh. the poster's up, right? Yeah. You know, you know that was a great scene. Yeah, yeah, that that and so what 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 I remember loving about the first picture of you. This is before like the third one to me of Star Wars three is the most in-depth about, like, film theory and about why the prequels as a whole didn't work. The first one is about really why the first one didn't work. A little bit about the other two, because they all, all come out, but but it was mostly about, like, why the first one didn't work. And it was the first criticism I remember reading that didn't concentrate on Jar Jar. 
because a lot of the criticism at the time was oh, Jar Jar was awful, but this was about Jar Jar no. was like just a a shit adjacent part of this thing. It was shitty all the way through. Every line of dialogue yeah. was awful. That's yeah. what's wrong with this you're, movie. You're focusing on the wrong thing if you're focusing on Jar Jar. Yeah, Jar Jar was was awful, but there's well, so see, much else about this that was awful that Jar Jar. It's right, was, but I mean, yeah. to, for me to play devil's advocate for a second. You're not going to notice the stiff, stodgy, shitty dialogue and horrible acting when you have this giant fuck asshole character. Sure, sure. Our Jar Jar, the reason why Jar Jar was, was saved out is because it's the most fucking noticeable part. Right. But uh, as, as I said, you know, it was this cartoon rabbit that steps in the poopy. It, it, it was it was clearly like discongruous with the whole building evil thing and all the other themes that George Lucas tried to put in there. I mean, it's clear that for that George Lucas tried to put a lot in there, but he was clearly unskilled at making that movie. It, that's what bugs me most about the, all these... The, there's a new uh, bunch of prequel apologists who are like, look at the story he was mm-hmm. trying to tell. It was really... It's like, who cares about what story he was trying to tell? What is the story he told, and does it work? And no, it doesn't work. Those movies are terrible movies, whether or not there's a good concept behind them. But the stories are terrible stories, even so. A good storyteller could have come up with with yeah, some ways to make those into good stories. Like you, you put, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you had changes. You had the. I mean, it would have been a lot of changes, a lot of cut, fucking changes, like entire like arcs of the movie. Yeah, yeah, you could have Anakin's origin story be compelling. Sure, that's Absolutely. possible. Yeah, there, there are plenty of storytellers who could do it, and and. Plenty of directors who, who could do that, but 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 if you combine so, terrible how, writing with terrible directing, okay. So here's the question: Is it possible to keep the same arcs but not make it terrible? You know what I'm sure, saying? Sure. It, okay. Well, you have to pay a lot more attention to your characters. Mm-hmm. You have to build them out so the audience knows them. You have to write them well. Uh, the the arcs themselves are ju- any arc can be justified if you do a decent enough job of defining the character in, in and the character's motivation, uh, which was never defined for any of the characters. None of them had every motivation was completely nebulous and has to be assumed because no one has ever shown any reason for any of their motivations. Why did Anakin and, and Padme fall in love? We're never giving any reason other than the fact they're attractive people. Um. Why did Anakin turn evil when never given any reason other than the fact that he was tricked in, like, one instance? Uh, why did... Why did any of this shit happen? Why, why didn't anybody I, I think figure out cre- what I, Palpatine I, was doing? I think that... Uh, I'm not trying to be an apologist. Yeah. The only thing that makes sense to me is uh, predestination. Yeah, the only thing that makes sense is that is that these are strings being pulled by some maleficent force. Wasn't that, the Jedi is, like thing worried about like what, that whole predest? Well, I mean, there's some predestination in the Jedi shit, right? Well, there's so. like well, there's a there's a prophecy of some sort, yeah. which is very vague and never really defined. There's a but yeah, there's there's no great human uh, action that makes Anakin turn evil. Right. It, it's too much predestination. It, it, it's too yeah. It's too much. We have to hit points. <laughs> blah, blah blah, and and 
we'll, we'll throw a C-3PO being drug around on a, on a, a android or whatever on, on a droid construction <laughs> <Head thing>. connection <laughs> there's I mean there's so much shit that made, it made me realize I knew I didn't like them and I had decent reasons for not liking them but uh, you gave you really good reasons well it, it it helped me just like I hope the show helps people tune their beer senses it helped me tune my 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 film senses it helped me tune my story senses uh it it was a piece of of criticism that that genuinely worked as entertainment and that's rare uh and so i was i'm really happy with that and you know it continues to be enter- i can watch it over and over again and continue to either appreciate it or mm-hmm. or even sometimes catch new things or stuff like that so instead of talking about shitty movies I told you before we started recording, I watched The Hateful Eight the, yeah, the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I liked that movie a lot. Like, I I knew it was based on a Western, like a Western style, but mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it coming into it. And the way the movie doles out information, you know, it, it, it's like an episode of Who Done It or Clue or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know? it's very... Because, it, like, no one trusts anybody, and it's from the very beginning... But you and, get a great sense of who these characters are. You get a great sense of the space that they're all stuck in. Because uh, Tarantino is a great director and a great dialogue writer. Even though he he loves his n words, he has a he's he just, just trying to make it period accurate. I think. Yeah, but I mean, I would. It's not like every. I mean, it's. There's clearly a fetishization of, of that. But it, it's something that I'm willing to sort of accept as being a Tarantino yeah. thing. I, I guess. I, I'm i a bad person. I don't think that the N-word is as bad as it people have it be. I think in art it can be there. I think it's fine to be in well, art. Well, I think art is, is, is the place where... where it, it belongs most. It, as a right. And in comedy. I think art and comedy belongs, but... I mean, it's, it's. I understand why it's become taboo, but I also understand that even that 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 kind of incessant repeating of it didn't even really happen unless you were at like a clan meeting. So it just like it, that was not that. I mean, it wasn't. He was. He's using the the. He's using both the fact that it was an offensive word for black people and the fact that it's used now as as between other black people not less and less but it, it does it is it was used for a while particularly in the 90s as a kind of greeting right. or thing and and he takes that and he combines that into a sort of false uh, false language where it was being thrown around like all to about everybody and constantly and, and super often and the, as opposed to other descriptors, it would have worked just as well. Maybe. I mean, I wasn't there. Okay. I mean, I don't want to argue about that part. That's not a big part of the movie. Sure, they say it a lot. Yeah. But it's uh, like a tick. It's, it's like it's like his foot fetish. It's like it's like mm-hmm. a tick that Tarantino has. Maybe. It's, yeah, but it's I, fine. It's, it's yeah. too, Kubrick had lots of ticks, but what are you going to do? I mean, he'd still make great movies. Tarantino still makes great movies. Yeah, I mean, the characters are so well fleshed out. I loved how they had the progression from like the act, chapter one, mm-hmm. chapter two. 
it was interesting how they went with chapter four or five, where they actually gave you some omniscience. Well, that and. They, but, I they, mean, I guess they had to do that to actually bring the story together. Well, there's a lot of, of, of especially in the, at the end of the movie, there's because I think the 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 first two thirds of the movie is very very compelling, and then the end of the movie is sort of Quentin Tarantino giving into his grindhouse impulses and just letting like <laughs> turning it into a, a a blood and gore fest, which is, I mean, it's funny, and I I, I appreciate what he likes about it, but I, you the, know, the first two thirds was so more was so much more compelling. That I kind of wish it didn't go quite that far in that direction. So, you know, here's the thing. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit disappointed. I love, I love the movie. I'm disappointed that it had a, can you say, happy ending? Right, because... It didn't have a happy ending. It had a... Well, no, the justice was served. Ju- okay. Right, so that's kind of in the... In it's like, not a happy ending. Well, I don't, a, I don't want to spoil... I mean, it's an old movie, yeah. but I don't want to spoil it. Because I don't want to say what happened. It, it wasn't a happy ending. We didn't ride off into the sunset. But justice was served, and then right. the movie ended. Right. And I would have been, I would have liked to have been a little more pissed off at the end of the movie, that where justice wasn't served. You know, like I, I appreciated resolving the conflicts. Re, you know, it resolved all its all, all the questions in the movie, and in in, in a good way that that, that didn't placate to it being simply a, a happy ending thing. That's what I liked about it, is that I mean, it was one of the many things I liked about it, but I liked the ending because it didn't it, it didn't sacrifice the darkness to still yeah. resolve all the issues. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson's character was really compelling from the very beginning, mm-hmm. but you know, Walton Goggins really did an awesome yeah. job. And like he came from behind, and I loved his character. You know, I just thought his character got really well developed, and there was great conflict there, and other things. And uh, Samuel Jackson was given the sweetheart lines. Walton Goggins didn't really get the sweetheart lines as much. Uh, you know, other than the "I'm not feeling so well," <laughs> he falls over and passes out. <laughs> well, I mean, the the. the it's so the character is so important and this is something that like you know talking about the prequels the prequels didn't get right at all none of those characters are well defined the only character that has any real definition to it was Obi-Wan and that is entirely because of Ewan McGregor's performance and and maybe maybe the Emperor because it's just straight evil and straight evil is relatively easy to write (laughs) uh like Ewan McGregor gave everything he could to make that character something mm-hmm. out of the fucking horrible lines he had, and he was only partially successful. But he did he did a, a grand job of it. Uh, but those those were just awful nothing characters, and it shows you how how important Harrison Ford was to Star Wars. Because if you think about Star Wars without Harrison Ford in it. It really yeah. you start to see all of the the non characters that Luke Skywalker was and Obi Wan Kenobi was and, and and even Princess Leia was like the the only real character in there was R two D two and C three PO was sort of a composite yeah I mean but Luke so you know maybe Mark Hamill wasn't the best actor but the Luke character was so immature right that I mean even in Empire. Right where 
yeah, Empire where he leaves Dagobah and he's impatient. You know, it's that it's that immaturity of him, and it it fit the character. You know, the the acting style. Well, I, I mean, mean, there were better directors for the other two sure. besides George Lucas. You know, you had, you had Kazan doing uh, uh, and better writers. But you know, okay, so the whiny line. I want to go to the Tasha Station and pick up some power converters. You know, but it, it just fit the immature Luke. Well, that, yeah, but okay, you, you're you're picking out a yeah a nerdy one line. Oh. From the, <laughs> okay, but you know the the it wasn't a particularly well acted line, is what I'm saying. Right. But it it fit the immature whiny kid is being thrust into. You're establishing all the stuff that Star Wars has done afterwards into that movie. If you just yeah, look at that okay. movie as a right. as sure. a single thing, then it's you know then, then you get what was given to you. And Harrison Ford made that movie oh, sure watchable. <laughs> I mean, and apparently, because I haven't you know. Uh, the editing was terrible on that movie until some they, they finally brought somebody in who wasn't going to edit it like George Lucas was, and they and they did an incredible job editing that movie and making it fast and move. Because apparently George Lucas said it's ponderous and horrible. Jeez, oh, does not surprise me because that's no, that's <laughs> that's what we found to be a George Lucas sort of trait. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember that George Lucas was just a producer and, and provided the story as opposed to the writing and directing on the other two mm. in the in the main trilogy. Like I, Star Wars is, is a fantastic universe and one that has a lot of lore behind it and has a lot of people making a lot of interesting Despite things. Despite George Lucas to trying to fuck it up Despite, as hard as he could. I mean, well, George Lucas wanted it to be his legacy and it turns out that he was not the right person to shepherd his fucking legacy. Uh, or at least that was not the legacy that is intended for him. I mean, he he isn't. His legacy is is pushing the boundaries of special effects when he did and and those kind of stuff. Sure, grant that to him. But but creating Star Wars, no. That was other people who made Star Wars what it is, not George Lucas. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um. Then I have nothing else to say on that matter. Okay. Mr. Robot. The fuck, man. I will will give Mr. Robot this much. I I still liked the season, even though I'm very confused by it. Perhaps it will take me some time, and maybe I will change my mind on this. I think I'm going to watch the whole season, or at least like the second half of the season again. Just trying to... I, mean, I still felt like the show does more things that are interesting than it does that are not interesting. Uh, but when it falls into traps or when it keeps doing this these sort of weird mystery things, I, I, I start to tune out a bit. It's like I, I... There's still some really interesting stuff that it that that the show does that no other show does on TV and mm-hmm. that's why I keep watching it and I'm interested in it and there's still some great acting going on but I'm unclear as to what the hell is I'm actually supposed to be paying attention to which is part of the problem so so this season we had the elf sitcom thing right we had that scene of 
where's Waldo? What can you find in my room? Where's the clue? Where's right. the Easter egg? Right. We had... So, I mean, last season, I was okay with it, but I didn't love the substance abuse issue. You know. But it, it was... Last season was slower and more methodical in how it developed. Right, but when Elliot went on his bender... And it was the big substance abusing. Well, he thing. did that in this season, but that I, I thought the the part of that episode, which is it was a ponderous hour and ten minute episode, but the part where he was on Adderall and, and going high, that was really well shot mm-hmm. and really interesting and right. well done. But I mean, this time it was more about his bipolar, you know, mental health and reality, like not being able to determine reality. The viewer does not. We all thought Terrell was. A new personality. Well, I mean, we're, we're we're supposed to be along with. I I get that part. We're supposed to be along with Elliot for this ride, yeah. where we're not sure what's real, and and that's already been established that we don't know what's real. When we're yeah, Elliot's an unreliable narrator, and mm-hmm. you know we hear Evil Corp whenever it's a scene with he where he's in. If he's not in, we hear E Corp. We we don't know what's going on when Elliot is watching versus when we have the view of somebody else. We see Mr. Robot. We now know Mr. Robot's fake. We now know the whole prison thing was was happening, and that was you know suspected. But still, it was clearly Ellie's not a reliable narrator. So we're we're given the idea that there's whether Tyro Relic was real or not was a question. Even though it's clear that he was real at some point, we didn't know whether he was still real at this point. Uh, so I wasn't sure. I mean, why is he fucking wearing those suits? So. That's the thing. I was hiding out. Why is he wearing this fucking well tailored super suit? That's the, that might be part of what Elliot sees. Yeah. That so that that's why. Right. It, well, that's the thing. I'm still not. I'm still not 100 percent sure Tyrell is still a guy. I don't think you're supposed to be. I mean, I think you're, right. you're supposed to be like 99 percent sure, but not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I'm still leaving open for that he's not. You know. That last closing scene where he's talking to Angela. Angela. He makes a phone call to Angela. That seems to seal the deal that he's real. And also, Angela knows a lot more than we thought she knew. Or she was somehow brainwashed by White Rose in that weird Lynchian no. thing. Right? Maybe mean, she's a minion now. I mean, it, there's there's something weird going on. I'm glad they didn't. I read it, I read an interview with Sam Esmail after the an episode and he explained the Back to the Future thing where it wasn't intended to be I mean it was it was intended to be a reference to Back to the Future it was, was intended to imply that there's like time travel shit going on which is it fit the, mm-hmm. the, the point was like he he had a different song for one point and then he put he put um, uh, not Mr. Sandman but something like that one of those songs in there and then he felt like the other songs and it fit to put in the other Okay. Other Back to the Future songs, and it, and it just it felt right to him, and I I, I buy that. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you know, you, you mm-hmm. feel. Like I said, it, it was more about the mood of something as opposed right. to uh, w- telling a, a story about the the actual thing that's going on. Right. But yeah, it, w- it was very very weird season. Very, uh, it, it could it is one of those seasons that seems very experimental. Uh, and I'm, I'm like I'm not I'm not like a person's going. Oh, I'm giving up on the show, but I I'm conflicted about the show more than I was after the first season because there there wasn't a 
there are the warning signs that you get about a show that has lost its way. I mean, sure, sure. It, well, the season just it started out so slow, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it, it, it never. There was moments of awesome action, some great shot scenes, but then it it never really advanced much of anything. No, nothing really happened this season. I mean, it, thing, there, yeah, nothing happened. The, but that's okay if we got I mean, an the, idea of so who the characters the, I mean, were. The, the story is that Elliot is trying to fight his disease. He's trying. Right, right. He's trying to get rid of Mister Robot. That was the most of the right, season. He yeah. put himself in jail to try to get rid of Mr. Robot, and and it didn't up. work. Nothing happened, but this, but that's okay. Like I said, if we're exploring the characters <clears> more, <throat> and we did explore the characters more, but we didn't get a good. We still don't have a good idea who these characters are. Uh, we have an, we have a, a decent idea who Elliot is, but we know he hides stuff from us. So we don't know really who Elliot is. We really don't know who the fuck Angela is. We have a really good idea who this FBI agent is now. She she did a great job. Mm-hmm. We have a, a decenter idea of who Darlene is. So we got some information on the characters. And we got build sure. out of the characters. And important stuff. But we didn't get a... We have no idea yeah, who White Rose I, I is. I really liked the is. scenes with Darlene and... and um, Cisco? The, the FBI agent. Oh, uh, Dom. Dom, yeah. you know, especially when she was in the interrogation room. Then they brought her into the, the CSI room yeah. where they had all the, the lines drawn. I don't know why they would show her that. That was weird to me. Why would she show her? That? Well, that's because Dom had the theory that she needed to prove that they were smart or as smart as Darlene. You know, like, give her a surprise because Darlene was such a superior bitch that Dom felt like, well... She thinks we don't have anything on her. But the interesting thing is that she's wrong. Like she says, Tyrell Wellick was responsible for Five yeah, Nine, but yeah. he wasn't, and she has no idea that White Rose is there. She has no idea that yeah. involved in the Dark Army. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an accurate picture, but it's still missing. There's a huge gap that they yeah. don't know. She doesn't know she has, and she so, doesn't know that 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 I mean, Darlene that, was responsible for Five Nine. She has no idea. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. So I I think it might be a, a bad strategy. I mean, yeah. that was her reasoning but I mean the risk is like what if you're wrong I mean mm-hmm. Dom are to you me sh- I, I thought that I thought before they showed before they brought her into the room I mm. thought it was to show her that everyone everyone's looking at her when she walks through mm-hmm. everyone was standing up looking at her so it was to show that no it's not that it, the, the I thought it was to show Darlene that everyone knows you're involved in this somehow this is not a, a a guess on our part, and we're just fishing. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that you're in, that you're involved right. here. That's what I thought it was going to be. And then she shows her the board. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? Why? Your point was made. Yeah, and I mean, great point. I mean, there was several things that they haven't figured out yet. I, I think for the viewer. They wanted the viewer to feel that, oh, yeah, the FBI has all the pieces, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I'm not sure whether that gap of what you said and what my gut feel was is going to come into play or not. Like, I'm thinking the way that the film, the way that they showed it to us, not to Darlene, but to us, was to 
get us to stand in Darlene's place and feel like, oh, it's all figured out. I mean, because a lot of viewers aren't going to find all the gaps in mm-hmm. the thing, right? Now, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's what, or do you think that... I mean, I, do, I, I don't do think... Do you think Darlene seeing that White Rose isn't on there is a key, or is it I, I don't a know, geek thing? I don't know what the up? point of what Darlene was, you know, what she said, whatever she said when she looked at it. She seemed she seemed impressed, but I'm not sure if that was the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I really don't know how to take that scene. And I guess we won't know until until Thursday, which I'll be watching, but I'll be watching with an eye on the door. In the same way that I was watching Orphan Black at the third season with an eye on the door. I mean, like, when... Is there going to be a point when I just abandon this? And there was, and it was mm-hmm. around third season where I said, okay, there's this is not yeah. interesting me anyway. Even though Tatiana Maslany and all this stuff is very good, she's still very good at playing all those characters... Characters aren't doing anything fun. There's, Interesting. It, wait, there's, there's nothing, nothing beyond the fact that she's playing a bunch of characters to intrigue me, and everything starts to feel very pulpy and and silly. Mm-hmm. And when that comes, that that's a sign for me to leave. When things start feeling too, when when a, when a, a show that tries to be non silly then starts to feel very silly. When the show changes from from what I originally was watching for, essentially, into a, something that I, that I don't appreciate, that that that's a point for me to, to to drop off. Third time Donnie becomes a pain in the ass. Yeah, Don, another issue with Donnie. Yeah, oh, when fuck. They, you know, they keep repeating the same the same shit, they keep going through the same stuff, and it turns into essentially more of a sitcom than mm-hmm. a kind of thriller esque series where there's interesting mysteries yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it feels... You wonder if Orphan Black was kind of a, a victim of its success. Sure. I, I, I think that you can be or cannot be based on, you know, based on a whole bunch of factors. George Lucas was clearly a victim of his success. Right? Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, he was also... Shitty from the beginning, and he's got a good editor. I don't know. It, it, a, <laughs> yeah, I hear you, but it's like, okay, so here's your arc, and then you got some producer saying, "Hey, can we squeeze six more episodes in there?" And then that turns into another season. If you want to keep talking, turns... I have to go to the bathroom. So, well, we can wrap it up. I got a P two. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's a. It's pretty. I don't know if we have any more to talk about anyway. So yeah. we'll just be going over the same points, and we both got a P. So thank you, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye.